The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Toy and welcome once again to It Came From Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me for our 50, what is this, 53, 54? This is our 54th live show via Zoom, courtesy of the East Metal Public Library. And I am here with none other than L-Man, Jenny Feldy. Good evening. And we have our special guest who we're going to be talking to, with, and about which is awesome because he's here. It makes our life so much easier. We have Ooh. publisher, artist, uh, no, publisher, writer, uh, creator, uh, podcaster. Anything mm-hmm. else I, I should mention? Any other titles you got? Uh, you know, I don't know. All around awesome guy? Yep, once in a blue moon, yes. Mr. J.D. Calderon. Welcome. Thank you, thank you. So how are you guys doing? We are doing quite well. So we're going That's to be talking good. to with uh, about uh, J.D. in just a few minutes, but before we do that, we have to take it away with the news. It's Morphin Time! The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of sci-fi.radio. That's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. As well as the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, of which we are the official radio show of, celebrating over 26 years of convocness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. Um, they're nice to mention, actually, by the time this airs, the convention will have been over. So it was a great convention. Did you go, Jen? It was great, right? Uh, yeah, it was great. It was super great. Super yeah, awesome. Best convention uh, ever, right? I'm going to make sure to not mention anyone's names in the wrap-up so we get yelled at. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I want to give our shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Fortes, Newsday, Famous Shreza Media, Unjikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, The Huracan, Yasmin Ray, and Rosa. If you want to get your own little shout-out, go to www.camefromreal.com, and there's a little button there to donate, and you'll take you right to our Patreon page, and just for a dollar a month, you can get a shout-out on our show. All right, so as always, we start off with the sad news. Um, actually, we have to start off with the uh, sadder news from the This Just In Sad News Department. This happened today, so I really don't have any bit of information beyond <laughs> the fact that, he, that this guy died. So a friend of the show, uh, Lou Tramontano, uh, T-R-A-M-O-N-T-A-N-O, uh, died yesterday as of this recording. Um, no word on how he died. Uh, he was a young guy. He was a friend of the show. He's a combo collector. He was an artist. His dad was an artist. We've interviewed him many times. A really cool guy. But he just died suddenly without any warning. And I want to give our thoughts and prayers out to his family. So now we have to move on to our regular sad, our regularly scheduled sad news. Uh, all right. Actor John Brown died recently, shortly after he collapsed while leaving a doctor's appointment for his pacemaker. While appearing in a handful of movies, TV shows, uh, movies and TV shows, John was most famous for his role as building superintendent Nathan Bookman. In 58 episodes of the sitcom Good Times, which aired on CBS from 1974 to 1979. Um, of note, John was a singer, which is first recording being released in 1961 at the tender age of 23. Uh, Mr. J.D. Calderon, were you a fan of the show Good Times? I remember watching it. Uh, as far as being, I, like, I wasn't a big, I was a kid. So, you know, whatever was on was on. So it's not <laughs> like we have 14 TV sets. So the parents were watching, I was watching. So there it is. All right, fair enough. Uh, he played the superintendent, and he was always the butt of the jokes, and he was a really good actor, and it was really fun to see him as a kid as well. So uh, that, uh, he was a spry 84. I know a general L-man Jenny Feli does not watch good times. I watch bad times. Right, exactly. I like high times. <laughs> so, oh, that's funny. So uh, he was a, a, a spry 84 years old. So moving on for some more sad news. Actor Timothy Considine, C-O-N-S-I-D-I-N-E, also died recently. As of this recording, which is uh, March 9th, 2022, no cause of death has been announced. While appearing in such films as 
Her 12 Men, The Private War of Major Benson, the original Shaggy Dog, just name a few. Timothy was most famous for his role as Frank Hardy in the original Hardy Boys, which aired in the original Mickey Mouse Club from 1955 to 1957, and that of Mike Douglas, the eldest son, on his sitcom My Three Sons, which aired from 1960 to 1972. Uh, Timothy only appeared in the black and white episodes, which ended in 1965. Normally, this would be a one for our senior correspondent, Charles Saladino, but he's unable to be in our show today. So, J.D. Mahaldron, were you a fan of My Three Sons? Do you remember that show in any way, shape, or form? I remember it barely. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much in your camp. Barely remember it. So, yeah. All right. So, he was a, a spry 81 years old. Right. All right. So, now for the final bit of sad news, finally. Um, actor Mitchell Ryan also died recently, and he died from heart failure. In over his 60-year career, Mitchell appeared in such films slash TV shows as the original Dark Shadows, uh, The Hunting Party, A Reflection of Fear, High Plains Drifter, Magnum Force, Death of a Centerfold, the Dorothy Stratton story, North and South, Lethal Weapon, the first one, Star Trek The Next Generation, Santa Barbara, Aces Iron Eagle Part 3, The Opposite Sex and How to Live with Them, Hot Shots Part 2, the original Judge Red, Halloween Curse of Michael Myers, The Devil's Own, Liar Liar, and Gross Point Blank, just name a few. Um, he was one of those actors, like, if you see him, you're like, oh, there's that guy. He was one of those that guy actors. I've seen him around and you know, looking him up. I'm like, oh, I know that face. I've seen Lethal Weapon. He was the, one of the bad guys. He was so, that uh, guy in that thing. Yeah, he was that guy in that thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so he was uh, another spry 88 years old. All right, so we're going to move on to our not as sad news. That's it for the sad news. We're moving on to our not as sad news. You have the happy news? Um, yeah, we really don't do happy news here. We just, we just do not a sad news. All right, so let's see. <laughs> From the, the news could have been a lot sadder if Mark listened to my idea for a news story. Oh, but... yes. We, we're, that, we're not touching that with a 10-foot pole. We're not even getting anywhere near. Oh, man, Jenny told these news that she wanted to report. Yeah, um, if you have any questions on the, my, my own news stories about Mexico, feel free to private message me. Yes. So from the, man, from the not even supposed to be here today department none Hmm. other than actor writer producer and director kevin smith has decided to throw his hat into the film festival circuit with the inaugural smod castle film festival kevin says we've got a little podcast theater in new jersey called smod castle and today we're announcing our first ever film festival that's how i got my start at the sundance film festival obviously we don't have the clout of that festival this being our first year but we have this theater, and it really felt silly not to do something. There's this whole culture of our folks that live and die by showing their work at festivals. This is a way to curate our own event and lend it legitimacy by the fact that I uh, did come from a film festival background as well. It's also a fun to get in touch with New York and see the new emerging work and stuff like that. So it felt like an absolute no-brainer. Um, this event will be taking place on August 17th through the 21st in Leonardo, New Jersey, which happens to be mere steps away from the still functioning quick stop grocery store that Kevin worked at and film clerks in. Hmm. Well, Elma and Jenny Felder, I know as an actress, would you want to have your uh, film yeah. being shown at Kevin Smith's uh, film festival? Yeah, this is the wheels are turning August 17th. I think I'm going to try to get yeah, some of my films submitted. So if uh, I know there's a link on his website, but if you go like Film Freeway, I think you can submit the stuff. The submission's open now. So if any cool. filmmakers out there. I think this I is... will. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for being part of the show. That's, that's why that's I was too... late because I was working on a movie just before in Queens. That's why I'm in my bathrobe right now because oh. that's what movie making does to you. It makes you late. I see. So mm-hmm. Mr. J.D. Calderon, are you a fan of Kevin Smith? Uh, you want to see his film festival? <laughs> I, I've seen I've seen many of his films. I, I appreciate the earlier works. The later works, I'm not that big of a fan of, but I do enjoy. I have enjoyed several of his films. Um, we here that came from the radio have a dubious uh, relationship with film festivals and award shows. I prefer mm-hmm. film festivals than award shows, but they're kind of in the same in the same vein. It's all about everything subjective. Like you know, if you like it and you don't like it, and mm-hmm. then who decides what's good and what's not. Right. So I think it's cool that he wants to do it to get people's exposure out there. But then do we need another film festival? That's the other hand, in my personal opinion. True. All right. So let's see. Moving we need on. another film. <laughs> yes. Do we need anything? <laughs> well, that's, that's we true, need, too. Yes. Do we really we need, need anything? We need, art. we need art. That's what we need. Oh, there you go. Look at that. Um, so moving on. From the pay the man follow-up department. 
voice actor John DiMaggio, who, as reported on a previous show of ours, uh, originally was not going to join the rest of the original cast in a new Hulu Futurama series. Turns out that a deal has been made and John is back with the cast after all. John says, I'm back, baby. So damn grateful for the love and support of fans and colleagues alike during this whole time, especially to my wife, Kate. I cannot wait to get back to work with my Futurama family. Hashtag Ben the Gate is officially over. So we put it on the back shelf behind the Christmas decorations or maybe in that kitchen drawer with all the other crap that you put in there, in the un, uh, like the old unusable crazy glue, or maybe put it in a jar you say farts in, whatever floats your boat. I don't care. You get the picture. I'm back, baby. And bite my shiny metal ass. This comes uh, from the fact that they were bringing back Futurama. They got the original cast, except for John DiMaggio. John DiMaggio said they didn't. He felt that they weren't uh, paying the actors, himself included, a fair share. So he was holding out. There was huge fan backlash about whether he should come back, quote unquote, for the fans or not, or if the company was being too cheap. So I guess whatever deal he made, he's now satisfied with. So what are your thoughts about having, uh, is there responsibility for the talent to have a uh, obligation to the fans? What do you think there, uh, L-Man Jenny Feldy? I think so. I mean, whenever I do my first feature film and any films I do, it's going to be a rule that everyone involved has to promote it. If you're not going to promote it, I don't want you involved. Actually, I was going to do a satire parody song and I realized my singer will not promote it at all. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to feed your fans and everyone should be involved actively. And if you're not, then get off my stage. (laughs) What about you, Mr. J.D. Calderon? (laughs) Um. Well, the thing is, I think the issue wasn't was was there an issue with him promoting or was there an issue with him getting paid? It was he <laughs> felt that he didn't he wasn't getting paid enough, but the that the internet was like, hey, you should come back for the fans. You should take whatever money they want to give you because if the fans deserve you to be back because we the fans love you and we're the fans mm-hmm. and you're nothing without the fans. Said the fans. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, listen, the guy might be really smart, so he might have used that in his to his advantage. He knew he had some leverage and he said, well, I can make a few more shekels off of this. So he did, you know, I mean, you know, being, being any type of like, he's an independent contractor. Nothing is guaranteed. This is only going to last for a limited amount of time. He has to pull as much revenue out of it as he can. So he has to do right by himself. He has to do right by his family. Right. So he got to do what he got to do. I agree. I I agree that I I agree on both cases, but I feel, I've always said that I feel it's a gray area as to his Mm -hmm. obligation and to him actually getting paid. This is a little gray area in there. Right. All right, so moving on from the... That's a lot of nuts! Department. The new Batman film takes in the number one spot in the domestic box office, pulling in a whopping $134 million in its first week of release, beating out the dog film called Dog, starring Channing Tatum, which pulled in an additional $6 million in its second week of release. For those of you keeping track, the second third Spider-Man film is still the highest grossing film of this year, 2022, and 2021, with $214 million, followed by the aforementioned Batman at number two, and Uncharted, which also stars Tom Holland, who was Spider-Man, at number three with $101 million. Um, Did you get to see uh, Batman, J.D. Calderon? Not yet. I'll be seeing it. I'll probably be seeing it this weekend. So that part of that one hundred and thirty-four million dollars is not yours. Not yet. He'll get. They'll, they'll get a piece of me, but you know, it'll probably be on this weekend. So, fair uh, enough. Fair enough. I heard it was pretty good. I'm. I'm curious to see it. I'm not big on. I wasn't big on it going in. I heard it's good things. So I'm like, all right, I'll just wait and see. Yeah, I was the same way. <laughs> I was the same mindset because uh, I was like, you know, I was convinced it wasn't going to be that very good. So I was just like, I'll just wait. You know, but after everybody's saying it's it's incredible, I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So, you know, why not? And of course, what's weird is that they keep on saying the movie the theaters is dead and why you got to keep on making another Batman movie. And yet when they made another Batman movie, made $134 million. So obviously they're going to make more Batman movies. Right. Exactly. I just think it's cool that Channing Tatum is playing like a super hot guy in Magic Mike. And then they're like, hey, we got another role for you. You're going to play a dog. He's not playing a dog. He's playing opposite a dog. Oh, I thought he's playing a dog. <laughs> that oh, would be, that's a completely different movie if he's playing a dog. He'd be like a dog outfit. Dog. 
that was, I mean, I'd rather, I'm more interested in dogs than men who are strippers. So <laughs> yeah, that was Jupiter's ascending. That's, that's where he played the dog. That's right. Yes. I remember that. <laughs> I actually saw that in the theaters. And that also goes to the fact that everybody's like, we want more original stuff out there. And then we made no money at all. So no. that's the problem with, with, with the, with the fans. Yeah, that movie wasn't very good. It was a beautiful looking movie though. If you look at it just for the cinematography and the shots and you look at it for the art, artistry, uh, set design, that sort of thing, it's a beautiful movie. But it wasn't that great of a film itself. But if you want to see a, just if you just like that, that aspect of it, I think you, you, you actually pull something out of it. I think it was a gorgeous looking movie. So for cinematographer uh, um, students out there, they should go watch that movie to learn the craft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyone doing set design, you know, creature design, uh, sci-fi action, space design stuff. I mean, I think it was a really good looking movie. Yeah. I, I was just mm-hmm. uh, distracted by Hot Mila Kunis myself, but. Mm-hmm. Oh, she, listen, you, the <laughs> act, you look, she's beautiful. He's great. Look, I mean, what do you want? You know, you, you, that, that's like par <laughs> for the course. If they're not good looking, then you got to work. <laughs> As, as, a, as a segue, because her name popped in my head, I'm reminded of um, Book of Eli with uh, Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. And she and Hot Mila Kunis. Yeah, Denzel Washington really reminds me of Mila Kunis. No. <laughs> I totally get it. <laughs> no, I'm saying that Hot Mila Kunis was in Book of Eli with Denzel yeah. Washington. And that movie had Gary Oldman, had Jennifer Beals. And that movie had so much talent and acting. She felt so out of place. Like, I know she was trying really hard. But everybody was just acting circles around her. And it's just one of those things, like they say, you know, with editing or even with comics, with lettering, it's something that if you, if it's bad, you immediately tell, but you can't tell if it's good because it seamlessly flows. So mm-hmm. I was like, man, she's really out of her league in this movie. And I felt bad for her. Because it was such, yeah, Mila Kunis, because it was such really? a great acted movie. And it felt wow. like everybody was given like a 10 performance and she was trying really hard to give a seven. You know, it was just one of those things. It was a great movie. I love it. And it had a great I surprise like ending. Yeah. But it was just like, oof. She was, she should, they should have tried another cast. Not, nothing against her, but I felt bad. So that was my segue. Uh, so moving on. From, from, moving on to the next one. From the. Department. None other than Ernie Hudson has been tapped as one of the leads in NBC's hour-long pilot, Quantum Leap, which is a reboot-slash-continuation of the 1990s sci-fi drama of the same name. Executives say, <clears throat> it has been 30 years since Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap accelerator and vanished. Now a new team has been assembled to restart the project in hopes of understanding the mysteries behind the machine and the man who created it. Uh, Ernie will play Herbert quote-unquote Magic Williams, which is described as a Vietnam veteran and head of the time travel project at Quantum Leap, using a bit of pot-licking, pot-licking? Pot-licking <laughs> and his military know-how to keep the Pentagon at bay. Magic buys a team some time to rescue Dr. Ben Song, S-E-O-N-G, a world-renowned physicist working on a time travel project known as Quantum Leap, who gets stuck in the late 1980s with amnesia after using this technology, but expects answers once he's back. So basically, if you were fans of the original show, Ernie will be playing the role of Al in this new version, but the original show still exists. Well, oh, man, Jenny like they have a lot to do. It sounds like they better drink their green juice because they're on a big mission. <laughs> so, oh, man, Jenny Foley, I know, I know, I probably know the answer to this, but were you a fan of the original Quantum Leap? Are you aware of it? No. <laughs> okay. No, it's a quantum leap to think that I would even know what that is. <laughs> I have to, I have to yeah. give you the opportunity. I'm the 500-year-old lady on the song. I just wish them luck in all their endeavors, <laughs> and I hope they eat healthy food, and if they eat bagels, they might fall asleep and not finish the mission. That's, see, yeah. that's product placement right there by the bagel company to put that in there. So, Mr. J- <laughs> Mr. J.D. Calderon, were you a fan? Of uh, the original Quantum Leap. I never watched it. Wow. I never watched it. Although I, I like, I always forget his name. What's the name of the lead actor? Um, I, I, why do I keep on saying Sam Beckett? But that's his actor's name. No, it's name. not Sam Beckett. Um, the guy from um, NCIS New Orleans. Why can't I think of his name? I'm blanking on his name right now. I'm sorry. 
he was the Scott captain. Bakula. Scott, Scott Bakula. Bakula. Yeah, he was the captain yes. of an Enterprise. Yeah. Right. I enjoyed what's funny is everybody told me the first three seasons of that show is terrible, but the last season is really good. And I watched the last season. It was. Enterprise? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the yes, last season. It, yes, too. it was. Um and I really enjoyed it. What was the um Men Behaving Badly? No, it was the uh the 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 Clive Barker movie that he was in where he plays Dia Moore. Oh, I do not know that. He's a detective. Yeah, that he was really good and I enjoyed that movie. He's a really good actor. I really enjoyed yes. the series at the time. And the mm-hmm. show it, it has a um it had a, a unique ending where they made it so that way it could be ambiguous and they weren't sure if the show was going to get picked up so it could serve as a season finale or a series finale. And then mm-hmm. they made it a series finale and they left it open-ended and they said that he would never, you know, that the show was never resolved because the whole part of the show was him leaping from one life to one life uh, and then hoping to make his way back home. And then they said, he never made it back home. Screw you guys for watching the show. And then the show got canceled. Right. So hopefully they will resolve that. But sadly, uh, Dean Stockwell, who was a, uh, the uh, co-star is, is no longer with us, so he will not be around to uh, reprise his role. All right, so finally, right. last bit of news. Library? Actually, yes, I forgot. I forgot you have the news ahead of I have the news, yeah. I forgot. I was, like, I was like, how does she know? <laughs> I forgot that you get the news ahead of time as well as a, as a co-host. <laughs> finally, from the, this is... Oh, all right. So finally, from the this is how not to support your local library department. In September of last year, Florida State University's library had announced that between March 17th of 2020 and February 10th of 2021, a total of 4,996 comic books went missing from the special collections and archive division of their library. That's they crazy. published a list of books with an estimated value between two hundred fifty and five hundred thousand dollars, in hope that a collection, uh, collectors or comic book shops might notify them if any of the books turned up. Turns out that that plan worked, and head of security Todd Anthony Peak has been arrested and accused of stealing these books. <laughs> According to the court documents, court documents, Todd had only one of four keys that allowed entry into the area where the complex were located, which is the sub-basement of the library, and it is not open to the public. When the library was shut down during the pandemic, Todd was deemed as a, quote, essential worker, and he continued to work within the library. Officers were told that not only did Todd enter a local complex store with, quote, Two long boxes full of absolutely gorgeous, high-grade, silver-age comic books dated 1970 and 1984 saying that a family member had died and that he wasn't interested in these specific comics anymore, unquote, but also started making posts on social media groups saying that he was looking to downsize his collection and was seen on Facebook Live selling comics that were listed as stolen from the collection on the university. A search warrant was issued to Google and and, and they searched Todd's online search history, which revealed that Todd conducted 448 searches in regards to the stolen comic books and their value. As of this recording, 2,843 of the books have been recovered. His charges include grand theft of more than $100,000, fraud, dealing in stolen property, and the state of stolen property via the internet. So, what do you think of that there, Mr. Comic Guy, J.D. Calderon? Well, it just goes to show you that you don't have to be that bright to work at a university. <laughs> this this reminds me of like I think it's mostly guys that don't have the you know the uh, tostones to break up with their girlfriends and they just act wrongly <laughs> to make sure that they you know the girl does the work and and just incriminates them. Uh, that's that's like this guy. The guy could have just quit the library, but instead he had to do a hundred thousand dollars of fraud and make a mess of everything like he could have just quit but you think this was him just wanting to quit yeah this, this is him wanting to quit but he didn't he couldn't figure out how to be like i don't want to work here anymore she's like you know what i'll just give them a reason to fire me so he did this that's what happened so it had nothing to do with him wanting over five hundred thousand dollars for no people books. don't act based on money no <laughs> money doesn't drive anything it has nothing to do with me. no way so that you know what you know what if he's listening to this show they're tied Use that as your defense. You wanted to quit the job, but you didn't know how. 
Yeah, you didn't know how. He, he, he didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. You know, he, mm-hmm. he didn't know how to break it to them that he wanted to quit. So he said, you know what? I'm going to give them a reason to get rid of me. And then they can make the decision and he can give up his power and they can control. You know, I think that's probably what happens here. <laughs> there was a movie, Half-Baked, starring Dave Chappelle. <laughs> And uh, there was uh, they had found some uh, super weed, if I remember what it was called, and they tried to break into the facility where they got it from, and it was yeah. the most comical, worst break in ever. And the security <laughs> guards are just watching him, like, "What are these idiots doing?" Hey, I know that guy. This reminds me of this caper. Like, why would you not, if you're gonna steal all that stuff, why would you go online? Why would you post that you're selling these books? You know, you know they're valuable. You know they're hot, or else you wouldn't have sold them in the first place. You have to wait five, ten years. Let I mean, the people, heat cool down. If you guys are gonna steal stuff, at least make an alter ego. Get like ten thousand dollars worth of surgery on your face, or do blackface. You know, and that <laughs> that won't call any attention to you. And then you can sell things as an alter ego. You know, or or get <laughs> your your girlfriend or your boyfriend to work there, and then let them do the stealing and then you do the selling. Maybe, you know, if he's such an entrepreneur, I got a lot of business plans. This guy, call me. Call, give me a call. I got, I got tons of ideas for you. And, and see, exactly. So why wouldn't you get someone to steal the books for you? I have the key. I'll let them in, you know, try a plausible story. It, this guy's it, not a leader. <laughs> no, he's not a planner. He doesn't have leadership. <laughs> and that's the head of security right there. Wow. Uh, so you want to have any final thoughts for this segment uh, there, Elman, Jenny, before we take our break? Oh, I, I said my piece. All right. Mr. J.D. Haron, do you have any quick final thoughts before we take our break about this no. last bit uh, of news or any other bit of news? Lord of Illusions. That's the movie that Scott Bakke was starting. Oh, well, thank you. So with that, we're going to take our break and we'll be right back. We came from the radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Meet Grimlock having fun on It Came From The Radio. Meet Greg Berger also. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to the Came from Reality of Really Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking for our 54th live show, courtesy of the East Little Public Library, virtually distancing, of course, via Zoom. And I am here with none other than our very own L-Man, Jenny Feldy. Good day. Good evening. Good morning. And we have our special guest we're going to talk, who we're going to be talking to with and about, which is awesome, because he's here. Super artist, uh, super. I don't, I don't know why I keep on saying artist, and he's not the artist. Super comic book creator, publisher, writer, Mr. JD Calderon. Hello, everybody. So, before we get to JD, I just want to mention that um, the East Middle Public Library has tons and tons of programming, one of which is our very own show. They have new stuff just about every single day, and the best part is most of those things are a hundred percent free due to the pandemic someone in person some you don't like free <laughs> no no i'm just saying nothing's gonna be free if this todd guy keeps stealing from libraries <laughs> not gonna be able to give anything for free so no i don't think anything's free todd's ruining everything <laughs> so if you want to see that's more, what i have to think more wonderful I'm dreams about die. <laughs> you go to www i need a drink eastmeadow.info and like I said they have tons of programs one of which is our show uh, alright so Mr. J.D. Calderon yes uh, I've, I've known you for at least 15 years right not that much yeah and, yeah. and so, it only took 52 episodes for me to get here well this is the live show see this shows how much you listen to our show which is a weekly show <laughs> which, we're gonna, which we're actually going to have our 20th anniversary next year Nice. Um, but this is our live show, which I have invited you down to come down many times, not realizing that you didn't have a car. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> exactly. I'm in New York. I'm a New Yorker. So that's a great thing to do for people that don't have cars that you really don't want to stay. Just keep inviting them places, and it seems like you're making the effort, but you know they're never gonna come. Oh, that was that. Yeah, you, you exposed me. You, you figured me out. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit of how you got started in the biz? 
and where you are now. Okay, so let's rewind time a bit. So in 92. 1792. Uh, it just might as well be at this point. <laughs> so in 92, uh, that was uh, the first um, comic book I ever self-published. So I was myself, uh, we were young, we were about 18, 19 years old. We were, there was a group of us, there was probably about nine uh, at, at times, maybe 12 of us. And we were all formed a company called Golden Realm Unlimited and we had a bunch of titles, one of them being Tall Tales, another one being uh, Dreamweavers, Reaver, we did a bunch of stuff. And then uh, I met a bunch of lifelong friends, including my wife, which was fantastic. That's Daphne Lage, who's been on the show before, the artist on Tall Tales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, fast forward, you know, did some professional work in the uh, mid 90s, enjoyed it, you know, did Tenchi Muyu, did some, some writing for uh, some adult comics. You know, made a living off of that for a few years. Found that I don't like working for the people when it comes down to writing. Uh, so yeah. I just decided to just uh, do my own thing, which is self-publishing. Uh, you know, roll it ahead. You know, uh, I come up with Oswald uh, during these uh, professional projects. And I was writing it in prose. And then, again, move it ahead a little bit further. Um, I end up with a, a, a good-sized lump of cash just dropping my lap. It was just like kind of like a windfall. You know, most people, you know, when they have that sort of thing happen to them, you know, they go on vacation or they put it to their retirement or they put a down payment on a car. You know, I'm insane. Uh, I went ahead and uh, started uh, started doing comics again with those funds. I found an artist. Her name was Jade Gonzalez. She's been with me now 12 years. We've been working with one another and um, we've just been working on the Oswald Chronicles ever since then. So, yeah, that's that's it in a more or less in a nutshell. Oh, and then. We got introduced to Kickstarter, and that's where we're uh, working most of our uh, magic on there. All right. So you just kind of brushed over the adult part. Okay. You were writing adult you, comics? You, like, yes. First of all, yeah. how was that? How did you get a job writing adult comics? Uh, where were you? Right. <laughs> Who was I? Okay. Well, there was uh, one of the artists that I work with, Matt Lunsford. He drew Dreamweavers back in the day. And he was, I remember we were, we were actually in Disney World. We were in uh, Miami, actually. And we were going up to Disney World. And he was like, listen, I got a line on a job. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah. He says, these guys, they want to hire me, blah, blah, blah. This company, Central Park Media, they want me to do this job. And, it, you know, it's, 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 uh, he says, but you know what, man? It, it's porn. And I was like, really? I looked out, I absolutely, what? I I absolutely looked down my nose and I was down my nose at him and I said Jesus how dare you even bring this to my presence step away you know you you foul human six months later he comes to me he says he says he says listen man he says they're looking for a writer and I was like really throw my name in that so um (laughs) I went over there and we um you know I just said it was like it was like an interview they they just read the work we had done prior they said we had a good chemistry so they hired me, and um, it was crazy because the first two issues were based on some anime that they had released, and they said issues three through twelve they wanted me to create a whole new story. So that's what I did, and then eventually that led into um, uh, the editor who started with us, who hired us. She left the company. We ended up doing some. She ended up um, teaming up with um, Pioneer Animation, and it was called P Anime. And we ended up doing Tenshi Muyu for six issues. And we were supposed to do a bunch of other stuff, but she ended up running off with all their money. So we <laughs> never got what? that completed. <laughs> yeah, she ran, she ran off with about 50K of their cash. Was she friends with Todd? <laughs> she Where did she been. run off to? Maybe she has some tips for Todd. Where did she go? I don't Sounds know. Sounds like she was I, successful. She might. She had family in various places. I don't even want to talk about it. Because <laughs> wow. they wanted us to do another 18 issues after that but since she ran away with the budget it was just like and the book did well so yeah we're trying i mean we've been we've been looking into it because we want to get the rights back because the one my only regret is we never got a trade paperback so i would like to get a trade paperback print so yeah all right so how so we so we went from that to a talking mouse living in the city in a magic world sort of Sorry. Well, he he lives he lives on uh he lives on Park Avenue, right on Fifty Fourth Street, and that's where he lives. And it, he's there. And he lives with a couple of guardians. One of them happens to be a, a fairy. The other one happens to be a troll. They represent both night and dark. Uh, you know the the sealy and the unsealy courts, which is uh light and darkness. And he lives in between both of these worlds, as well as uh, the world of mankind. So he 
he's a junction point between reality and the magic. So that's where he sits in, in, in this particular uh, world. So I relate to that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's sometimes good to sit in between. Yeah, yeah I think every day, kind of like the daytimes are reality. And then the nighttimes, I try to make more magical and more whimsical. And then daytime is like, all right, let's see reality clearly through the light of day. So every day mm-hmm. is a mix. Yeah, I relate to that. Yeah. Very cool. There you go. Thank you. Um, and basically, it's, it's, he's just going through his adventures. He's trying to find out why is it that he is the only mouse that can speak, you know, or read, because he is the only one. You know, all mm. the other mice are just mice. So he's trying to figure out, he says, what, what's so special about me? What happened to me? Why am I this? So he's go- mm. as the story progresses, we discover more what, why he is what he is. And we discover that he has a destiny and there's something for him to do and there's something to, for him to accomplish. Eventually, he... Um, uh goes into dream right he <laughs> because even though i'm writing about a mouse a magical mouse who lives in the middle of manhattan who's surrounded by fairies trolls ogres and everything else it just wasn't enough it wasn't enough space for me to work so i had to put him in dream for a certain amount of time so then that way he can um just have even crazier adventures which is where i went with it so so when you you say that he has a purpose did you know what that purpose was before you started writing page no. one of the story? Or did that come along? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. No way. No way. Huh? I, I'm a... Go ahead. I'm sorry, Jim. She, sorry. She, just, just she just laughs. I laugh sometimes. <laughs> oh, gotcha. No, what <laughs> it is sense. is that is um, when I started the story, it wasn't about it wasn't the story was initially wasn't supposed to be about Oswald. It was he was supposed to be. I, I don't know if you know the Crypt Keeper, right? Mm-hmm. So the Crypt Keeper is the is the person who tells the story, who tells the tale of another person. That's what Oswald was supposed to be. He was supposed to be the one. He's a scribe, and even still in the story, he he tells stories, right? So he gets the information, he tells the story, whatever. But eventually, it became that he became the center of the story. So the story started revolving more and more around him. So, yeah, and then, of course, I didn't start in the beginning. I started in the middle. So now I'm working my way towards, uh, toward, actually, I've gone, I've gone pretty good. I've gone pretty past that, that beginning part. Now we're moving towards the middle, towards the center. And then we're, and there is an ending towards the story. But it's, uh, it's going to take a while to get there. I'm 1,600 pages into this story, and wow. I probably got another 1,600 pages to go. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. Any plans to turn this into movies, cartoons, animation? Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's just like I, I've spoken to friends about going to um, uh, what is it? These, furry these convention? Events. Yeah, to, to going to these events, they go, they go to um, what is that? Like product placement conventions, that sort of thing, where uh, they get hunted by by all these various factions to to get their stuff made into things. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't have any. I mean, listen, if I get approached, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn my nose up to it. But if I, I'm not, it's not something I'm actively seeking. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I, there's still so much work that I have to do here. I don't even think about the other part of it. I yeah, I hear you on that. You know, it's just like, you know, if I, I if I can complete my dream just in book form, which is what I want, I just want these massive volumes on my shelf. If I get that done, I'll be happy. You know, if I can get, push it further, that's fantastic. But, you know, that that's uh, that's not for me to decide. Is now, it for God to decide? <laughs> <laughs> well, which actually well, makes my question. Yeah, is it for God? And also, do you think that people are born with destinies like the mouse? Do we have a destiny? Uh, you know, it's, yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, no. Hmm. I, think we, I think we create our own destinies, right? I knew you were going to say that. I, I think we create our own destinies. I think, um, you know, it, it, in working in fiction, right, we can um, lay out these things the way we want them. Uh, but in reality, you know I mean I can't even how many times have you just walked down the street right and you bumped into someone and as someone you you maybe struck up a conversation and as someone has somehow affected your life you know mm-hmm. whether it be positive or negative right and you said damn if I hadn't wa- taken walk down that particular spot at yeah. that particular moment right that thing wouldn't have happened right mm-hmm. but it, it's so random it's chaotic you know, so that's why, you know, maybe there is, maybe there is, a, maybe there is a road we're supposed to, we're supposed to follow, but it's so chaotic, you never know, mm-hmm. right? 
Like, you know, what if mm -hmm. I had gone this way? You know, what if in 2008, I had dumped all of my money in, in, uh, in uh, Amazon stock? Right. Where would I be today? <laughs> right. 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 Uh, it happened. I was there for it. I saw it happen. It was 27 bucks. It was 27 bucks. Could have dumped all my money, but I did it. Yeah. Like many people. Yeah. I had the opportunity mm. to invest in Marvel when they were selling stocks. It was like twenty dollars mm. for a stock, and I was like, "Ah, it's too much." <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But even then, but that that bottomed out. If you would have, you'd have to, have to really have held on. You know. Yeah. That Marvel stock, anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned um, you met your wife through your group of friends. Yes. And she also has her own comic world and comic series, which we discussed at length on a, one of our earlier live shows. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. she also does furries. <laughs> Was that something that you, well, you know, I mean, you know, also have different um, races and stuff, but a lot of it for, uh, for her was a lot of furry stuff. And you're, yeah. and you also have sort of a similar thing. Do you, do you decide to like work together? You decide not to work together, keep your stuff separate. How does that work out with the relationship? professional okay. and personal between the two of us there's three titles so there's the oswald chronicles which is my title which is my thing i do on my own and then there's tall tales which is our title which is what right. we work on together right and then there's ego raving that's her title that she works on her own so we have you know she has hers i have mine and we have ours right yeah i think that's good <laughs> healthy yeah. and the thing is is as far as it being furry when we first started we didn't know what that was. You understand? We weren't coming from like, oh, this is furry, this is that. We were coming from, we saw Robin Hood, the DC, the, the Disney movie. Yes. And we were like, that's really cool. We want to make something similar to that. And, and we enjoyed like Lord of the Rings or like when I was a kid, I was reading uh, Conan or Fat Fart and Grey Mouse or, or uh, uh, Rogers Elasny's uh, the, the, uh, the Amber Chronicles. I was reading all this fantastic, you know, just this great fantasy. And I was like, I want to create something like that. Plus, I was playing Dungeons and Dragons at the time. So, of course, you want to bring these things out. And we wanted to do it in a style like, you know, like, like a Robin Hood. We were like, oh, that's really cool. We'll use the animals. And, and that's a lot of fun. And it originally, I had worked with another group of people. And Daphne came in later. She, she's the one that ended up with, you know, with, with the title. But I ended up with starting it with a bunch of other guys. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So now so, yeah, you so work with your wife. Um, mm -hmm. Is it is it a pleasurable thing? Do you get in arguments? Like, well, do you do you see it eye to eye? They're still married, so I would think that if there's a pleasurable right. experience. Well, well see, marriage is forever, so it doesn't mean it's happy, yeah. Mark. Uh. Well, see, here's the thing. <laughs> Here, this is how this works. This is how this works. Mm. I write the scripts. I take the scripts and I and I take them in a pile, and I'll walk over to her and I'll be like, "Listen, this is the next story arc," and I'll hand them to her, mm. and I will walk away. And I don't get to see them again until they're finished and lettered. Oh. And that's the, that's the only other time I get to see this stuff again. So that's how that works. So I hand it to her. I, I, I say, here you go. And I walk away. Right. So, sure. the, the, you know, you, you, you know, so she has her opportunity to put her artistry at work. Right. And then I go in and I'll, I'll work the dialogue. If I see something's a little mismatched, which is, I don't think it's ever happened, but you know, I'll go in and I'll tighten dialogue and I'll do that sort of thing. And she, you yeah. know, she still rankles a little bit at that too. Just so uh, she, she hates it when I do that. Cause I like to noodle. So I like to like touch up dialogue, but it works, you know? So just remember kids, um, separate bathrooms, hand off the, hand off the script and walk away. That's yes. That's separate bathrooms. That's what my mom and grandma always say. You mm -hmm. have to have two bathrooms, sharing a bathroom. Goodbye. No. no. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you've been at this for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And beyond Kickstarter, what is the biggest difference that you've seen throughout the years between when I first met you or even before you started till right now in the comic um, world? Just just the internet in general. You know, I mean it just makes it a lot easier to just to get the word out, you know, whether it be, you know, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, name name whatever. 15 different you know platforms you want to you want to push on but that's i think the biggest difference is just those platforms um the other big difference is that marvel and dc have basically shut their doors to uh, upcoming talent like you had like it's very difficult to get it uh mm -hmm. marvel you know they won't take submissions whereas one time they did 
sometimes you can go to, you know, I mean, there, there are ways to get in, you know, you're going to work your way up, you know, you, you start at the smaller companies and just work your way up. Uh, and the only reason I mentioned it is because somebody had mentioned it to me the other day and I was just like, oh, okay, whatever, you know, because I'm not interested in working at any of those companies. But again, I wouldn't turn my nose up to it, but it's just like, whatever. It, it's never been a, a goal of mine. Well, you have um, your own ideas, your own thoughts. Exactly. And I'm not willing to give them away. Right. <laughs> so, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, but that's pretty much it. As far, oh, and the other big difference is printing. Uh, when I when I first started, you had to uh, print at least three thousand books to get anything done. Hmm. So you had to print that many just just to get anything done. And primarily, it was all black and white, not in color, because color was just ridiculously expensive. So you could get three thousand books, eh, fifty five, sixty cents a book, um, and you know you can go out there and, and hustle those books. The big difference is that now we have POD, so which is print on demand. So you can print smaller amounts of books, but it's yeah. funny because your mentality changes, right? So now I could print a hundred books and sell those books basically at my leisure, right? Whereas if I printed 3000 books, there was a heavy, heavy impetus to get moving and really push those books. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference is back then I didn't have time. I had to sell it or I was sleeping on those books because, man, let me tell you, when you get issue one, 3,000 books, you get issue two, 3,000 books, you get issue, you know, so on and so forth. They start to pile up fast and you just run out of closet space. I mean, it gets crazy. So storage is always a big thing. Whereas Mm. now you you can print 10 books, 20 books, 15 books. So it's weird. We have these venues to push really hard, right? But sometimes we don't push as hard because we don't have the need to push so hard. So it's weird. And I think those people who push the hardest make it the best. And I mean, look, and I'm guilty of it myself. I don't push anywhere near as hard as I should. So. <laughs> mm. I, I've seen I've you at tables. Of, uh... <laughs> no, he's not a pushy. He's not pushy at all. I'm not very pushy either. Yeah. No, no, no. no you know, I, I, it's, it's one of those things. I, lo- I enjoy doing the work, right? So that's my thing. I enjoy doing the work. And then it's uh, the other part of like, you know, okay, releasing it into the world. Yeah. Yeah, you need a PR. You need an Ari Gold from Entourage hawking your stuff. Yeah, we we everybody needs that. Yeah, 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 Mm yeah. Yeah. Have you ever heard of anyone bribing people to like buy comic books? Has that ever happened? Not that I know of. No. Like crazy incentives. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a I got a friend of mine that that's something he's into. He's like you know you go to them. He's he's he worked in um uh. I guess PR for uh, a beer company, and what wow. they would do is they would go to retailers and be like, "Look, you know, you buy X amount, we'll give you a twenty-five dollar gift card or whatever, you know, to, mm-hmm. to you know your your big seller at the company, or whatever." And I've seen those types of incentives before. Um, I think in comics it doesn't really work. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's different. You selling you know you know fifty cases of uh, Anheuser Busch, whatever, and selling 50 comics it just it's not it doesn't equate to the same thing you know, maybe beer you, for it, comics right yeah you know that would that would work <laughs> you get a free comic for every beer you buy there you go i think <laughs> every case every case of beer you buy you get a free comic <laughs> you know not just getting like getting heineken to, to hook up with that <laughs> yeah it's marketing genius right there oh yeah. well the tropicon the tropicon had a lot of beer it was a brewery and then a mm-hmm. comic book. Shout out Tropicon. You mean the you, you mean the uh, fat guy nice. ink in the art show? Eh, that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wait, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm out. Forget it. All right, Mark. It's social media time. That's a lot of shade, Mark. <laughs> that, was, that was nicely done, there, Jen. Nicely done. I, that was genuine. That was a genuine mistake. I know. I, was actually, I, was I know. Trying to be nice, and I messed up. I know. Uh, social media time. Goodbye. Social media time. Where can people find out more about your book? Where can people talk to you? Where can people are you are you also outsourcing? Like, do you also hire other uh, people for for work, or is it just you and you have your people set up and that's it? Uh, I'm always looking for new artists. So uh, currently, uh, Jay Gonzalez, she's the main series artist. I'm working with Arenio uh, uh, Tillis. He's uh, also done some work for me. I've, I'm working with. Uh, Emmanuel Francisco. Um, 
he's I'm also working with him. He's doing covers for me. So I mean, it's it just all depends. It's um it's always nice running into people who uh, who can help you out, you know, as far as that's concerned. But yeah, but I'm um if if you're an artist, you can reach out, send me your portfolio. I'll always take a look. So where can they reach out? Social media time. Oh, where? Sir, where can we hear you? Okay, <laughs> thank you. Uh, you can find me Facebook, Twitter. Uh, DeviantArt, all under JD Calderon. Um, Instagram, JD Calderon, and YouTube under JD Calderon, and also Indie Comics Explained. That's uh, my uh, show that I hold on Sunday, where Mr. Mark sometimes shows up and is my co-host. That's right. Um, so why don't you just uh, quickly mention a little bit about what is Indie Comics Explained? What what needs to be explained for Indie Comics? plenty and and everything because no one really truly understands the the pain that we go through as indie comic publishers so that that's what we're there for well basically it's just to show our love for our independent comic books because the the medium and the um the industry is so dominated by marvel and dc basically sometimes image and dark horse or whatever but primarily the big two they probably you know dominate the industry and most of these shows talk about them like do they really need the press no they don't so here I am, I'm trying to promote, I do my best to promote independent comic books, independent creators, you know, and if we sometimes veer into talking about Marvel at DC, and we, but we try to keep that to a minimum, and we just try to keep it to the core content of a creation and the business of independent comics. So as a publisher yourself, isn't promoting other people's works counterproductive to your sales? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, rising Tide... You know, raises all, raises all ships. All right. Yes. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. I mean, you know, look, if you're going to tell me, I'm a writer, right? So the way I look at it is like this. Alan Moore is not my competition. You understand? But it is my job to try to become the best writer I can be, right? That's my job. But I'm not here to compete with Alan Moore. I'm not here to compete with Neil Gaiman. If you try to do those things, you just might as well run out in the street and just get hit by a bus because it's probably, it's probably not going to happen. For you. you understand? They are just, those guys are the cream of the crop, but you want to try to get up there with them. So your job is to try to, you do your best to get up there, you know, but you don't, you're not in direct competition with those guys. Trust me. You know, uh, I, who, who's the author on Kickstarter raising $20 million, right? The Berserker the, guy? Keanu Reeves? No, 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 no. There's an author on there who's oh. raising, he's raised like 20 million bucks. Bro. Wow. Like, yeah. Like he's raising some massive amounts of capital on there. And I mean, how do you compete with that? You don't, you just do what you do. You understand? And you move forward and you just push as hard as you can until you, you know, you just try to make as much money as you can. But if you're going to sit there and say, yeah, I'm going to make just as much money as that guy and blah, blah, blah. You're probably not. And you're probably you know, just be really sad at the end of it, you know, so just don't do it. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying don't try, definitely try, you know, you, you have to have aspirate, you have to aspire to something. So aspire to it, but don't put yourself in a corner where you're going to be like, it's impossible. You know, there are certain things that are just, you know, what I've always felt, what one man has done, another man can do. Your road is going to be different and you may not make it. But if you shoot for the moon, you know, if you shoot for the stars, you may hit the moon. So, you know. Well said. Yeah. So there you go. Jen, you got a question for uh, JD? Uh, just well, well said. Uh, Thank you. You know, it's, it's a very important to meet realism with uh, suspended beliefs and some delusional thinking. You know, there's, <laughs> right. there needs to be a, a, a synchronicity, a, a synergy, a synergy between the mm-hmm. two. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. do you find is your biggest takeaway as an independent uh, publisher that you want to uh, share with the world? Uh, the biggest thing I would say is this. Study a craft and study it well before you release anything. Because I guarantee you this. Your first comic is not going to be good. That's mm-hmm. just a fact. Your first one is not going to be good. It's just like, uh, I think Robert Rodriguez, I was also in film for a very tiny, tiny amount of time. Robert Rodriguez says you got 10 bad films in you, right? Right. So make them. 10? Yeah, he said 10. Oh, he, I thought it was like one to four. Okay. He, he, he said 10. Well, okay. I think he was talking about short films. So he says, mm. make them, make them fast, make them hard and push mm. through them. In mm. writing, you know, if you're writing prose, they say it's a, a million words. You've got a million mm. bad words. In you, so you got to get them out of your system, write them down, get them out. Comic books, they're saying is a thousand pages. So get those pages out of you and just move on. You know, so that's the thing. Study your craft. 
So where do you see Mr. J.D. Calderon 10 years from now? Where does future J.D. is at? Is he having his own uh, radio show where you and I are in competition for the listeners? <laughs> are you having uh, your own uh, streaming service with all, all Tall Tales, all Oswald Chronicles all the time? What's, what's the deal? Uh, 10 years from now, I still see myself producing and creating stuff, but primarily what I'd probably like to be doing is sitting on a beach somewhere relaxing. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The story. Go- yes. You can do both. Can you do both? She asked. Yeah, right. You of can write on the beach. Yeah. yeah. You can write on the right beach. Right on the beach. Course. There you exactly. go. Right on the stream from I can probably stream from the beach too. So so Mark, yes, I'll be in competition <laughs> with you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> with the ending in mind for the Oswald Chronicles. Yeah. And do you feel that it's going to be worth the trip for the fans, not for yourself? Or does that matter? Um, I think it'll be worth the trip. Uh, I've actually written the the final story. That's done. Uh, I'm working on current. I have like eh, I'm almost done with one of the story. I have two stories left to write, and I think once that's done, it's it's pretty much complete. And then I have another project involved that I'm working. It's called the Hundred Artists Project. What I I'm writing these short stories for a hundred different artists. So um, that one I'm just in the middle of. But it's these short little vignettes that have nothing to do with the main story. But yeah. yeah, no, I definitely think the uh, the fans will enjoy where I'm, where I'm taking it. So, you know, has anyone guessed the ending yet? Listen, all endings end the same. Everybody dies. <laughs> really? No. <laughs> all endings. That's yeah. that's well, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. It's the ultimate ending. It, yes. All right. So <laughs> we're almost out of did time. Did you not? Yes, did you not yeah. read Service? Service. He died at the end. Yes, um, I forgot who it was, but um, you're you're correct. They all, that's how that's how all stories end. But the, sometimes the story ends before the real ending. So like, you don't want to see the guys get old and just die. You want to see them go out in the blaze of glory and you know make that final mission and what have you, and then they live happily ever mm-hmm. after until they die. So that's right. the point. That uh, yes, you are correct with that. <laughs> so we're almost out of time. So um, do you have a Kickstarter project you want to mention now? I was always yes. forget. So, yes, go. We have on uh, <laughs> we have a sign-up page for, for the next project. It's going to launch on the 21st of next month. It's uh, the Oswald Chronicles. It broke free and couldn't read. So that'll be the first two issues of that. And then, uh, yeah, and that's pretty much it. So there All you right. Go. So Elman and Jenny Felby, do you have any final thoughts? Very inspired. I'm very big on creating your own thing and not working mm-hmm. for the man. So thank you for this dose of inspiration on this day. I'm falling asleep. I'm sorry for being <laughs> tongue tied and not being able to speak today, but it was great to listen. So thanks for listening. And we all can't be on. You can't go hard every day. It's hard to go hard every day. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that just sounds dirty. Um, Mr. J.D. Calderon. I'm a trainer. I can't, can't do it every day. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts uh, for us? Um, listen, work hard, be good, and read good. Read indie comics, especially mine. Thank you so much. <laughs> so my final thought is this. Um, thank you, uh, JD, for being a guest on the show. We've actually done an interview beforehand, which you've been, but finally coming down to our virtual studio. Thanks, pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've known you for quite a long time. I've read a couple of the uh, the books. They're really good. You're a really good person. Mm-hmm. And I've always mentioned that a lot of times, with especially with independent creators that sometimes you're selling yourself in addition to your work mm-hmm. and both things are really really cool and good so that's my recommendation he's a really cool guy and the work also is as good as a guy as you are amen thank you, thank you. so i appreciate that it. about does it for this week on it came from the radio join us right here any week on this radio station if you miss any part of this show tough there you go. Go to our website, www.camefromradio.com. Listen to our archives of any week or so. Um, this will be uh, airing on our YouTube page. Our next live show, courtesy of the East Metal Public Library, that's www.eastmetal.info, will be on our 55th live show on April the 13th. And we have comic creator uh, George Medina. So make sure you guys go and join us virtually for that as well. So with that, We will see you uh, next time.
You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.